Inflation is literally everywhere. Like seriously, please make it stop. Well, thankfully, Mint Mobile is going to give you a much needed break on your wireless bill. Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just 15 bucks a month. Order today at mintmobile.com slash MLM. Recently, when I looked into Usborne and Southwestern Advantage, two MLMs, I learned about the shady world of door-to-door book selling. Now, this isn't uncommon with MLMs or pretty much any other type of business where young sellers have to enter strangers' homes. At Cutco, for example, one teenage seller claimed that they were drugged and taken advantage of while on the job. Jane Doe, the teenager, also said that she had little to no training to know what to do in these types of situations, making them especially vulnerable when going into these homes for sales presentations. Now, this is obviously on the attacker, but it's on the company as well. They should be researching places that aren't safe to enter in the area by seeing who may be registered and convicted of certain types of crimes. And in general, they should be informing their salespeople about proper tactics, what to do if a situation's getting a little sticky, ways to back out and things of that nature. Cutco and other door-to-door companies should offer proper training to teenagers and adults to keep them safe. MLMs should not let teenagers go into homes alone. There are a million and one things that could and should be done to protect young sellers. But if it's going to cost a business money, then you can probably bet it's not going to be getting done. However, while researching Southwestern Advantage, I learned a little bit more than I ever expected. And it all started with a van crash in Wisconsin. A young woman, Melinda, was killed while participating in magazine sales. The driver never should have been behind the wheel in the first place, and Melinda's father, advocating for his daughter, introduced a bill in her honor to create stricter laws around these sales tactics. You know, like not allowing children to work certain hours or work alone and ensuring that people behind the wheel are qualified, things of that nature, things we would probably call the basics. But in advocating for this bill, Melinda's father and other parents in his position unearthed a whole slew of horrors for the world to see. He said that these sales groups are teen sweatshops of the streets. Child labor and state solicitation laws are broken daily. Kids are lied to in order to get them to sign up, then they get caught up in more than they ever bargained for. They're introduced to illicit substances, isolated from loved ones, forced to sleep with managers, and even abandoned in unfamiliar states. Quote, one magazine sales crew out of Texas forces the male sales agents to box each other if their sale for the day is low. The other kids are forced to bet on the winner. We have pictures from a former crew manager showing bruised and bloodied faces. The line that follows these stories is also chilling. Quote, Many of these kids never come home. Door-to-door selling is actually way worse than you think it is. And today I'm finally digging into the CD world here on Multi-Level Mondays. I saw ad in the, in the thrifty nickel newspaper that said fun travel adventure, um, real-world environment. So I called and they sent me a bus ticket. Next thing I knew, I ended up in Hayward, California. He asked me if I wanted to join. Um, told me a little bit about it and said, if I really wanted a job, I could get the job today. And I didn't believe him, but he said, go pack a bag. And I packed a bag and within a half hour of the van come through and I had said goodbye to my parents. And a half hour later, I was on a van with a bunch of strangers heading to a hotel in New Jersey. It's so ridiculously easy to join these magazine crews, which can be good or bad depending on how you look at it. For teenagers that may be desperate to find work or get out of a bad household, this is pretty ideal. Being swept away and told you could make a decent living, hell yeah, that's a dream come true. 
However, when an industry accepts anyone and everyone at the drop of a hat, it's typically because there's probably something wrong with it. I've seen this with MLMs. They prey on vulnerable people who are uneducated about their recruiting practices, and if someone leaves, well, who cares? Their employees are seen as disposable. If they make the company money for the short while that they're around, then great. And when they leave, just send in the next one. For magazine sellers, it pretty much works the same way. They're seen and often treated as disposable. According to former sellers, they'd often stay in motels, sometimes with three people living in one room and partake in a party sort of lifestyle in the evenings and nights. At first, as crowded and unfamiliar as the job may be, it had clear benefits. For one, this teaches independence. Finally, teens felt like they could grow up and have their own money, right? Secondly, you could make about $700 a week right out of training. And this was in the early 2000s, so by today's dollars, that's probably a few million. And okay, like not actually, but still, it's a little over $1,000, which isn't a bad starting wage at all. And if that's what you make in the beginning, just how much you could make if you gained experience. And these aren't empty numbers either. While MLMs claim you can make a living, but have no real evidence to back it up, the New York Times interviewed sellers that said they were genuinely making these numbers and they could prove it too. But the third and best benefit of all is you'd get a chance to see the country. If you sell a certain amount, you'd earn trips to Mexico, Disney World, and other places, and who the hell wouldn't want an all expense paid trip to Disney World? I mean, not me personally, but I'm not a Disney adult, but I'm sure a lot of people are into it. Stephanie Blake, a former seller featured in the New York Times, admitted she still missed those trips. They were more fun than she'd ever imagined. She said they were a dream and a promise made to teens. However, when pressed for more information about her time on a magazine crew, Stephanie's tone shifted. And maybe it wasn't all just fun and games. To each benefit we've seen, there's a dark side not often talked about. The lifestyle, the money, and the traveling, it all sounds so idyllic. So let's start with the lifestyle. Work hard, play hard. I'm sure you've heard that phrase before. Yeah, it is important to have a social life. And obviously teens and young 20-somethings are probably gonna go out to clubs, go drinking, have an absolute blast. I'm not about to condemn the whole industry of selling magazines for that. But here it goes one step further. Many sellers used methamphetamine, Zoloft, uppers, downers, and whatever they could get their hands on, that's a quote. Allegedly, managers would offer their crew drugs if they had a good sales day. Again, I want to reiterate that we just heard that in the New York Times interview, most of these sellers were underage. A lot of them just graduated high school. So some were maybe 17, some were maybe 18, maybe some were 19, and they're already being essentially handed drugs, heavy partying, and alcohol. Maybe it's enough how intensive this party scene became, but maybe, and just maybe, I could be a little bit more forgiving if it stays outside of work hours. Managers can't control where their sellers go in the evenings or at night, but this was without a doubt the work culture itself. It apparently became part of the crew and the consequences bled into work until the lines between professionalism and partying were obscured. The environment wasn't healthy, but it became worse than that. It was also deadly. Please note that this next chapter will discuss violence in some detail. If you're not in the place to hear that, please feel free to click away. Magazine crews often stay at cheap motels, sleeping three to a room. Up at 7 a.m., they gather for the morning sales meeting where they practice their pitches, then load into vans and drive to surrounding communities. Former Alliance crew members told us that in the past five years, two crew members have died of drug overdoses and two others were killed in a van accident. We followed one van to a local shopping center where we watched sales agents approach potential customers. Now, you made some good money in an environment where drugs and partying were common. 
sure it's not ideal, but who cares, right? As long as you keep your head down, make your sales and leave if you have to, you should be fine. The trouble is none of this was truly possible for some of the crew members. Apparently crew became so tight knit and close that it turned toxic and cultish almost immediately. Soon sellers learned that if they didn't meet their sales quotas, they would pay for it with blood. Two enforcers on the crew, McClinton and Simpson, were interviewed by the New York Times and asked if they ever went overboard. They both recalled the same incident in 2005 with an 18 year old named Rudy, quote, "'All we were told was that Rudy had shoved and disrespected the manager,' Mr. Simpson said. "'For 10 uninterrupted minutes in a motel stairwell in San Francisco, Mr. Simpson, Mr. McClinton, and four other enforcers beat Rudy unconscious. One held his mouth shut, Two others pinned down his arms and legs. Tearing off his shirt, they pressed a flaming lighter into his back. Mr. Simpson kicked him in the face and body. I stopped because I ran out of breath, Mr. Simpson said. Rudy, they said, was taken away in an ambulance. And what did Rudy do to get this kind of treatment, you might ask? Well, he simply disrespected a magazine sales manager. You just can't tell me that this is a serious, legitimate business. This feels way more mafia-like as a way to treat people. Like this feels like a cult. This doesn't feel like a business or any type of legitimate business, though we'll get into the scamming of all of it later. But in the meantime, I'm just absolutely stunned to learn how intense and abusive the whole system could be. These crews insisted that they were trying to go clean and drug test, but enforcers admitted that mag crew could be boring and they literally looked forward to fighting more than they did working. Controlling managers would order workers to do 100 pushups for each sale they missed. It was cruelty for the sake of cruelty. Though there may not have been a religious or a spiritual message or leader, there is some seriously cultish vibes to it. But why didn't anyone step in? Well, there are a few reasons for sure. For one, some of these teenagers and young adults probably just wanted to tough it out to make their own way in the world. As many of them were runaways or had so few options available to them, fear of retaliation is especially real. And for those that did try and speak up and find their family, it could also be quite difficult. Sales trainers tell them they aren't allowed to leave the motel room, groups might restrict how often you could make phone calls, and crew members have even allegedly been told to interact with outsiders as little as possible. However, it also doesn't really help that people don't take these kids seriously when they do complain. I don't put a lot of stock in that. Because to be brutally frank with you, abuse is like beauty, it's in the eyes of the beholder. A loud voice, anything could be called abuse. This is a lawyer for the National Field Selling Association. Abuse is like beauty, it's in the eye of the beholder. And I'm sorry, but what the hell is that exactly? Managers showed pictures of bloody and beaten crew members. Young men admitted to doing this to others because it was simply the way of the group they were in. Men who missed their sales were forced to fight each other. But abuse is in the eye of the beholder, you say? Then what is abuse to you? I'm pretty sure if someone punched him so badly that he needed an ambulance, he would call that abuse, right? So what do you call this? You call this just roughhousing? This is just a good old time with the boys? The idiocy spewing from this lawyer's mouth is so wild and outrageous that I don't even wanna give it another drop of effort. Abuse is not like beauty. Let's just make that clear. I think this is... I would assume this is at a point we can all agree on that there's not much dispute here. Abuse is not beauty. I, can we agree? I, I hope we can, so let's move on. Now, admittedly, you might be wondering why the hell anyone stayed. Were the trips to Mexico and paychecks really worth this hell? Well, the trouble is people weren't as free to go as you may think. In the beginning, yeah, someone could make $700 a week, but they didn't get to keep a vast majority of it. 
Managers charged for the room they were staying in, gas for the van, food given on the job, and they have to hand over the lion's share of their commissions to the company itself. Sometimes, as we've seen with MLMs, you can even end up in debt from a job like this. One investigation, admittedly an old one from around 1985, found that out of 418 sellers in just one company, 413 of them owed money at the end of the year. The company itself reported large profits, but about 99% of workers were in the red. I'd love to see some more recent numbers like from the early 2000s or so, but there seem to be very few investigations into this topic. Again, more on that in just a moment. Now, some sellers were so desperate to make money that they even resorted to stealing from their customers. They'd ask for a glass of water with ice while in someone's entryway and grab anything from watches and wedding rings to contact lenses and electronics. It was a crime, but more profitable than selling magazines. The money as a former bookkeeper for several crews has said flows up. The company's own diagrams prove this. Young adults just make enough the first couple weeks to get their hopes up, but the more you work there, the more you realize that the potential growth doesn't exist. Everybody that works for them is an independent contractor. Matt Ward worked for two years as a bookkeeper for his brother's company, American Community Services. It's basically a three-tier thing. You have the top, which is the owners, then you have the managers, and then you have the agents. And then it's all, all business is done through that. It's a sham made to benefit the top of the pyramid and you're just not it. So tell me, in what universe does it make sense that after working your ass off, you owe your company money? That should never be how it works, but here we are. Grabbing some cash and packing your bags, therefore, isn't really an option. So where do you go? Unfortunately, sellers really were left with this decision. Do they stay in a potentially abusive situation or try to escape? As former members explained, this is why so many people feel trapped. It's not as simple as just leave when you don't have enough money for a bus ticket back home. Or in some cases, maybe they have no home to return to. Mrs. Steele, 23 years old, said that she felt so stuck that even after she'd been raped by a fellow crew member at Precision Sales, she stayed with the group for seven more months. I know it sounds crazy, Miss Steele said, but I believed my manager when he said he would never let that happen again. And I believed him when he said my mom had told him she didn't care about me. Now, while the police were able to intervene in this case, it is a rarity. Typically, crews can move state to state and change their names to avoid law enforcement. And feds don't get involved because it's seen as a state issue. This is according to a former manager of field enforcement for the Illinois Department of Labor, by the way. One author for The Atlantic reported that they tried to get in touch with one of these companies, Certified Management Incorporated, to find out for themselves if these crews were really that elusive. According to them, the company wasn't registered in the US and when they called the number listed on their website, the call was answered with quote, huh? No, we're driving. I'll call you back when we reach our destination. And that call was never returned for the record and Certified Management itself has thousands of consumer complaints. In other horrifying instances, crews will simply abandon members right there on the street if they don't serve a purpose anymore. Stephanie Dobbs, a mother of three who worked with young people working LLC, said in just three years, she'd been abandoned 11 times. And let me repeat, 11 times. One of them was apparently due to a van crash that left her unable to walk for a few months. She was seen as dead weight and cut off. Disagreements with managers or even just not meeting sales were enough to get her cut off as well. Despite this, Dobbs said she kept going back because it was what she was good at and the cash was fast and easy and she needed it to try and support her kids. And as for the dangerous environment, she's seen that too, quote, I've seen every drug you can imagine, Dobbs said. 
young kids partying, not knowing what they're in for, then abandoned to life on the street in a strange place when they don't pull their weight. The managers can intimidate you, make you feel like you owe them, humiliate you, even beat you. This is a dangerous business. I can't imagine how it must feel to be trapped in that cycle. And imagine it, you're 18 years old, ready to start out on your own and find a job that promises fast cash. You get in some debt after a few weeks, but no big deal because you'll climb out of it. Then you're left behind, maybe addicted to illicit substances, but it's okay because you'll just find another crew because that's what you know now. The partying life, that work hard, play hard environment. And in my opinion, I think this is why authorities don't seem to take these cases seriously. Now I could be wrong, but after taking a look at these cases, it seems like the way in which they're reported also has a huge impact. For example, remember Melinda from the beginning of the episode? Her father advocated so hard for her. She became the poster child in Wisconsin for changing laws around door-to-door selling. That horrific crash is the reason why laws are so strict there compared to the rest of the country. It's tragic and upsetting that it took so much death to change anything. But people have died in van crashes like this before, so why don't the laws change for them? Well, the real frustrating truth here is because they're not shown as innocent young women with families worrying about them. Local news stations will report that criminals with drug possession charges died in a van crash. The public might see it as karma or just outright not care. The full story isn't necessarily reported here. Like seriously, if you Google van crash magazine crew, you'll find plenty of search results for the Wisconsin crash in 1999, but little else. This doesn't mean that these managers are blameless, but it means that they too are victims of this business. And two things can be true at once. It's wrong that these magazine sellers are stealing from homeowners and beating one another, but it's also wrong that the industry itself has created such a toxic environment where these behaviors are allowed to thrive and grow. But what about that industry? We've spoken about the recruitment, the abuse, and the difficulties in leaving. So who's actually responsible for this? And is it all worth it just for some fucking magazines? Well, before we try to explore that question a little bit more and maybe try and find some answers here, let's take a moment to thank today's sponsor. Today's episode is also sponsored by Honey, the easy way to save when shopping on your iPhone or computer. But did you know that it also only takes a few seconds to get Honey too? Because Honey Honey, it's here to save you money. And that means if you go to add it to your laptop or iPhone right now, you could be done before this ad reads even over. And you know what else works really fast? Honey's deal finding abilities. And that's because Honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds right to your cart. And using Honey is easy peasy, lemon squeezy. All you do is go shopping as per normal on whatever site you're shopping on. And then when you go to checkout, the Honey button appears and all you have to do is click apply coupons. You wait a couple seconds as Honey searches and if it finds a working one, you'll watch prices drop. Now I've said it time and time again, but Honey is the consistent breadwinner when it comes to saving money on pizza deliveries for Dungeons and Dragons nights. One of my favorite nights of the week and also the only really time of the week I'm ordering any sort of takeout at this point. So if I can save a couple bucks on it, I'd love that. And Honey always gets me there. And they've saved me a variety of money depending on you know what coupons are available. I've saved 15%, it's given me a $20 off coupon. I recently got like a 40% off coupon, which that was bananas crazy. I don't think I'll ever get that again, but thank you. That was amazing. And it just finds it and whatever is currently available and it applies it and goes, hey, this one works. And you go, thank you. And you save money. And Honey doesn't just work on desktop, it works on your iPhone too. Just activate it on Safari on your phone and save on the go. 
And seriously, getting Honey only takes a couple seconds. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting the show. So get Honey for free at joinhoney.com MLM. That's joinhoney.com MLM. So first, let me start by trying to dispel a few things. These workers are not really employees, they're contractors. Much like in an MLM, these 1099 contractors are more loosely regulated. Hell, the magazine world itself isn't really regulated, and aside from the rules Wisconsin has put in place, there aren't really many guidelines for door-to-door sellers. I've seen articles complaining about the hours and pay bordering on slavery, and that date goes back as far as 1984. So this by no means is a new issue. Secondly, the premise is still the same. Back in the 1980s, Dave Cyphers told anyone he could find that he was close to winning a trip his employer was offering. He just needed to sell a few more subscriptions and he'd make it to the Bahamas. So come on, won't you just give him a couple bucks to help make his dreams come true? Yes, this is the same pitch seen again decades later in the New York Times interview with former sellers. That dream trip isn't common, it's a carrot on a stick. And thirdly, consumers might not even get their magazines. And good luck finding that random teenager on the street who sold you that subscription because you're not gonna get it. And no, there's no point in contacting Time or National Geographic since they don't even work with these companies to begin with. These sellers may be using their reputable name, but in many cases, you're simply out of the money and left to eat it. So is it really any wonder that these businesses have so many negative reviews? Now, there are people trying to help, of course. One woman, Erlene Williams, founded a group called Parent Watch devoted to keeping track of these crews. Her son almost joined one, decided against it, and was effectively held hostage at a motel when the crew didn't want him to leave. Though he did return home, many young adults do join. In 2015, when this article was written, Erlene said she still receives multiple phone calls and emails a day from sellers that have been stranded. We may think door-to-door selling is dead, and to some extent, it's definitely not as common as it used to be. Unfortunately, the scam is still alive and even has inspired the movie American Honey that was came out like, what, a little bit ago. But with hundreds, if not thousands of teens and young adults trapped in this cycle, what are we actually supposed to do? The answer is simple yet difficult. Say no to all offers. For one, don't let any door-to-door seller in your home, ever. As we've seen, there are crew members that will rob homeowners. The list of stuff I've stolen that I can totally recollect would have to be contact lenses, wedding rings, watches, necklaces. But second, if you don't buy magazines from these sellers, then the scam eventually has to die out. If you stop feeding the beast with money, then it will die because it like is fed off of greed. So cut it off at the knees and it will die. And third is to do what many do not, advocate for the door-to-door sellers. In an NBC article, Lieutenant John Schwartz, a New Jersey police officer, said that these sellers were criminals. Quote, don't invite them into your house, Some of them look pretty clean cut, but these are not Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts. They are not selling cookies. John added that when arresting these sellers, many have stolen checkbooks in their pockets. By no means do I disagree with John, but I also don't think the answer is demonizing all sellers and making them out to be shady criminals that only wanna take your checkbook. Instead, we need to look at the real root causes here, the recruitment tactics and the way that this industry has even thrived in the first place. Young, vulnerable people desperate for guidance and a place to stay have fallen into this trap in the hopes to find community. Absolutely prosecute people who have broken, you know, rules, committed crimes, whatever, but let's just make it harder for these magazine companies to boom as well. And, you know, don't forget that there are victims in this. 
I think Wisconsin did the right thing by adding these laws, but it's a shame that it took such a terrible tragedy for that to happen. I hope it doesn't take more tragedy for the country to take this industry seriously and to make some serious changes. But with all of that being said, that is where we're ending today's episode of Multilevel Mondays. I hope you learned something new here today. And if you did, make sure that you're liking, following, and subscribing to stay up to date on all the latest episodes. And if you want even more episodes, bonus content, Q&A chats, all of that goodness, make sure to head on over to patreon.com slash Illuminati and join the Discord server. We're a very wholesome community. I know we're setting up some movie days here soon and I'm very excited because we've got a lot of good movies to watch. So thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. I really do appreciate it. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye.